Welcome to the Art of Successful Living. My name is Joanne Williams. This podcast is about learning how to overcome personal difficulties, make better choices, and cultivate a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoyed a wonderful resurrection celebration. Today, as we conclude our series on Daniel chapter 7 and the four beasts, I want to give some closing points. The Bible tells us in the first six chapters of Daniel how to live by faith in a secular world. Daniel, like us, lived in a pluralistic culture, in a society committed to the principle that there are many gods, many religions, and many moralities. He lived in this culture, not by choice, but by consequence. Daniel is living in Babylon as a result of his people's, the Israelites' sin. The Bible also tells us that Daniel was taken into this culture at a very young age. Today, as we conclude this series, we are looking at the prophet Daniel for clues on how to live if you are a believer in the one true God living in a worldly, pluralistic culture in the last days. And we are certainly living in the last days. So what can we gain? Well, the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 29 writes to Daniel and the others in captivity, and he gives them a word from God. He basically tells them that you must neither assimilate nor separate. Jeremiah tells them three things, and you'll see all three things working in Daniel. He says, basically, move in and become deeply engaged with the cultural and economic and social life of the city. But secondly, keep your identity as my people. Don't assimilate, but don't separate. Thirdly, he wants them to know, work for the peace of the whole city. Work for the prosperity and the peace of Babylon. That tells us as believers today that we are not called to pull out but to permeate the culture. Now, let me go into that a little bit more. What I mean by permeate the culture. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and Daniel's story instructs and illustrates two expressions. And I'm reading from the Bible now, the ESV version. Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 through 16. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? 
It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Jesus goes on to say, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God, your father, who is in heaven. And again, that's Matthew chapter five, verses 11 through 16. So if we're going to live in this pluralistic pagan society, we see the very first principle of how to live in the world. Remember, we're in the world, but not of the world. So the very first principle we need to pick up is you are the salt of the earth. When Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, that, that's very evocative. Salt was made to get out. It was meant to be dispersed. It's absolutely ineffective if it stays together. It deep, it gets deeply involved. Why do we see Jesus touching, embracing, engaging the marginal, the outsider, the foreigner, the leper? Why? Because Jesus is salt. Daniel is salt. Salt in, is an agent used to fight corruption. Daniel has excelled in, in, in um, this pagan Babylon and, and in their government. He was working in a corrupt system, and yet he remained incorruptible. So the first quality is he is incorruptible. The, the, the employees, the, the, the bosses, the kings, the, you know, uh, the government, uh, those are in power and authority, they could find no corruption in him. He was working in a very corrupt system that had a lot of kickbacks. You know, they were probably crooked and everything else, but Daniel was diligent. He was disciplined. He was conscientious. He was honest. He was hardworking. They say all these things made for him to have this excellent spirit. And we're talking about Daniel chapter six, verses three through four. So salt is made to get out. Can't keep it in the salt shaker. Salt was also made to get in. The purpose of salt in the ancient times was a preservative. Today we use salt to flavor our food, but that was not that wasn't its normal use back in those days. You know why? Because salt was too valuable to be used in such a matter. You put salt in those days, you put salt in things that go bad. You put salt in things that are falling apart so they wouldn't fall apart. Salt was not used in ancient times in anything, you know, in everything. You didn't put salt in food that was not going to go bad. There was no reason to put salt in food that was just going to be that, you know, that was going to be fine without it. It wasn't going to go bad. You didn't like, for instance, you didn't put salt in potatoes. 
You, you know, you went out there, you picked some potatoes. You didn't put salt on that, hoping that it wouldn't go bad. The potatoes were there. They were just fine. They sat there for a long time. But what you did do was you put salt in meat. You put salt in things that would go bad and meat would go bad. So they were salted down. Now, what that means is Christians, like I said earlier, Christians are to be salt. It means that we go places where it would fall apart without us or places that would decay or go to disorder without us. Wherever we are, we should bring that order. We should bring the light. Um, how, how do we do that? What, what, when I'm talking about being the salt of the earth, uh, let me, let me give you another example. In the tower of Babel, you have a bunch of people who get together and they say, you know, for instance, they could say, we're going to use technology, even though I don't know what, they they didn't have no technology back then, but anyway, just for the sake of this example. And and, and they say, we're going to use technology. We're going to uh, do this architectural project. We're going to build a tower, the Tower of Babel. But what's the purpose? The thing we, the question we have to ask is, why are they doing it? Why are they working? What it says in verse four of chapter 11 of Genesis is the key. It said, let us make a name for ourselves. In other words, without God, human beings are self namers. To get a name means to get uniqueness, to get significance, to get in an identity. We see what, you know, you do in the Tower of Babel is a um, perfect example of, um, you know, what people are doing. You know, they go to the city to get a name. Um, you you go to the city in order to um, uh, accomp- make, you know, do your accomplishments, to get a name for yourself, to find yourself to know your worth so so people are out there trying to name themselves now first peter chapter 2 verses 9 through 12 uh and again i'm using the esv version this time he says but you are chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners. That means we just traveling through and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Wage war against your soul you know uh, uh, i'm sorry let me say that again to abstain from the passions of your flesh which wage war against your soul all right praise god got it out so uh, peter is telling us keep your conduct among the gentiles honorable 
so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So what happened to the Tower of Babel? Well, it was never finished. And you know why? If the way you get a name for yourself, if the way you get an identity is by how high you go, that's the Tower of Babel metaphor. Let us make a name for ourselves because we're going to reach heaven. If how high you go with money, how high you go with recognition, how high you go with accomplishment, if that's how you get a name, then it's going to lead to breakdown. And that's going to lead to exactly what happened at the Tower of Babel which was nothing but conflict, contention, and fighting. First Peter chapter 2 tells us, if you are a self-namer, if you move out into the world, if you move out into relationships, if you move out into work, if you move out into everything looking to make a name for yourself, it's going to lead to breakdown. It leads to breakdown on the inside. You have that emptiness. It leads to ulcers and, and nervous breakdowns and tension and anxiety. Why? Because I have to prove myself. So now back to my point. How do we live as salt? First of all, you got to remember whose you are. God gave you a new name. You got to remember what you are. You have a new you a new creature in Christ Jesus. God has given you a new nature. Why do Christians need to go out? Why are we supposed to go out into the world? Remember the Great Commission? Why are we supposed to go out into the business world, out into the art world, out into the scholarship world? Out, out, out. Well, when you move out into the world, guess what? You show people you don't have to trample on others. You don't have to put them down. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to burn out on your job. You can live with poise. You can live with peace. You can live with love. You can deal with justice. Why? You already have a name. So you move out into these places very differently because you are the salt. You keep it from decaying. You keep it from falling apart just by your presence. Here's something else I want you to remember. The book of Daniel tells us, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And we're going to live in this pluralistic pagan culture. Pray. Those who kneel before the Lord will be enabled to stand before the Lord. Your prayer life is so very important in these last days. The Bible said that Daniel, he, he would open up the window and he would uh, pray three times a day. Pray. 
I won't go into more than that because that's a whole lesson all by itself. So now having said all of that, let me give you some takeaways. Number one, we are to be the salt of the earth. We were made to get out and to get in. We are not to be closed up together in the church house, but to go out and prevent decay and disorder. We are the light of the world. So let your light shine. Pray. The prayers of the righteous avails much. Don't assimilate, but but don't separate. Don't assimilate, but don't separate. Last but not least, believers living in declining empires. Remember, I talked about America as being one of those declining empires. We should redouble our work in warning the world, warning the nations, warning the people about what will happen if they do not repent of their sins. Christians, we should also be weary or on guard. We should we should we should not adopt, you know, uh, in our own lives, the negative beliefs and practices that we warn others not to adopt. In other words, bottom line is we got to practice what we preach. We got to be weary of not adopting in our lives the negative beliefs and practices that we warn others not to adopt. You know, we got to keep ourselves holy. We we got to we got to be, you know, people should be able to look at us and see how excellent our God is. Not that we're going to be perfect. But we're going to we're going to walk this walk. We're going to walk the talk or however they say it. Walk, talk the walk, something. I don't know. But we're going to live what we confess and what we believe. In conclusion, in these days of increasing challenges to our faith, we need Daniels who will not allow the world to mold them into its image. Daniels who are willing to hold on to their convictions regardless of the challenges or the consequences for doing so. Daniels who have the courage of their conviction, convictions. Christians that are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Christians who have put on the whole arm of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Christians who want to keep the torch of faith lit. Keep it lit to pass on to their children and grandchildren. I want to pass this gospel on to my children and grandchildren. I don't want a generation of my family to not know Christ. We, we need Daniel uh, 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 Christians who can say with the Apostle Paul, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Christians who want to come to the end of their lives and be able to say about their lives what the Apostle Paul said about his time here. When he knew his time of departure was at hand, Paul said, listen here. He said, I have fought a good fight. Are you fighting a good fight? 
I have finished my course. Have you finished? To tell us that it is finished. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith to tell a style was used when when a servant completed his the assignment that the master had given him have you completed your assignment are you working on it are you just sitting by on the sidelines watching everybody else paul said i have kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not only to me, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The goal of this podcast is to influence Christian believers to lead successful or more successful Christian lives as we reflect on the love of God and the word of God. Join us every Wednesday and click that subscribe button so you can be notified when the next podcast comes out. While you're at it, spread the news to your family and friends to check out this podcast. Until next time, all my kings and queens, be blessed.